On this episode of Your Asian Best Friends, we crown the winner of Taylor's Tourney, Kitchen Tool Edition, Asians in the News, and we discuss Kendrick Lamar's new masterpiece, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. I'm Taylor. And I'm Bernard. And we are your Asian best friends. Asians in the news is going to be a little different. Okay. This episode because um, Asians aren't really involved in the biggest news at the moment mm. <laughs> as we record this. Uh, there is some. There is some stuff. Mm-hmm. Some little tidbits that I just think are not like. I think Simu Liu is playing Ken in the new Barbie movie or something. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Our boy Simu is going to be Ken. Nice. Bold statement. I like it. Yeah, I love it. Very good. Um, I think, I don't, this is old news, but I, I, I think I failed to mention Domi Shi. It mm-hmm. had, right after we uh, had that episode where we, we talked to her, she got promoted to like creative director of Pixar or something. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like amazing. So, That's awesome. So yeah, we got we're getting in there. Asians in power. Asians in power. Um but you know, right now we're uh everyone's mind is just on the mass shooting that happened in Texas at the uh Robb Elementary School. In Uvalde, Texas on May twenty fourth, this is a couple of days ago as of this recording, uh at Rob Elementary School, 19 children and two staff members were, were killed. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really all that matters right now. That's the news at the moment. And um, yeah, we're both parents. Mm-hmm. How, how, how have you been feeling since, since the news? Not great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, I haven't really processed it. Um, in any meaningful way. Um, lots of people are processing it around me, but I haven't really been able to fathom it. It's been pretty incomprehensible. So, yeah. Yeah. I've been, um, I think similarly, I've been trying to avoid, um, really coming to terms with what actually happened in, I don't, I'm not, I'm trying to not let my imagination go there. Yeah. You know, cause it's very easy to imagine, uh, the horror of what, transpired there in texas um yeah just the worst i mean this is this is the worst nightmare you know this country could have worst type of nightmare right yeah um these children and uh there's a fervid conversation uh ongoing now politically sociopolitically about uh gun reform Mm -hmm. and um how we have not, uh, inexplicably, we haven't made any changes to gun laws since Sandy Hook yeah, years ago, uh, which is just unfathomable. Mm-hmm. And the thing, I guess the thing I want to say before I kind of um, toss it back to you is, I don't, what I don't get is, okay, if the argument by the other side of the aisle, which would be like Republicans, mm-hmm. if their argument is that even if we had passed these gun reform bills, it would not have stopped this shooter right. from doing what he did in Texas. 
a stupid argument because, okay, maybe perhaps it wouldn't have stopped this particular shooter. Mm-hmm. It still could potentially save many, many lives in the future because not every shooting is created equal. Right. There are different circumstances that go into every every shooting like this. So um, the argument that because it wouldn't have stopped this shooting, that gun reform bill doesn't make any sense, we, we can't pass it, is a pretty idiotic um, argument that doesn't hold water, doesn't hold up to scrutiny um, for long at all. And these are senators making this argument, right? Like it, show, it shows just how... Um, how thin their their um moral fabric is when they're trying to they're trying to defend their decision to not um update the way we we are related to guns in this country yeah i mean it's i mean they're politicians which means that they're mostly motivated by money and the people that are giving them the money so control there's no, yeah. there's no incentive for them to um, give that up. I mean, because even their constituents want them to adopt gun reform. It's purely money at this point. It's purely that they're getting money from gun manufacturers and the NRA, NRA to um keep these laws um unreformed. And I don't know. I think the the argument between um, it's mental health versus it's gun reform. It's like, why can't it be both? Why can't we spend our money on both those things at the same time? We should do everything in our power right, to avoid these kinds of deaths. But what happens is that we say it's gun reform, it's mental health, and we don't do anything for either of those things. We're tap dancing around the conversation. <laughs> right. That's called <Yeah>. foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, I'm so upset by this. I, I didn't, you know, the day after the shooting, I couldn't send my son to school. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I don't care about the practicality of that d- decision. I was just freaked out and I wanted to, you know, hug him all day. It's just, uh, I was so shaken uh, by by the news and, and uh, I was also oh, man excuse me for saying this I don't know if this is insensitive but I'm sick of okay of course we're all sick of moments of silence and like thoughts and prayers and all that yeah you know without action but I think I'm sick of on, on social media people just like reposting these quotes they see um, that kind of um, reflect their personal views on, on the situation and and gun reform or whatever, particularly talking about my friends who are mostly on my side of the political uh, aisle. Mm -hmm. So they'll post these things about, you know, how stupid it is that people care about um, second, protecting the second, second amendment over protecting like, um, children (laughs) Uh, and stuff like that. And it's like, yo, we all agree on that. Especially if you're on social media, you're with your friend, literally your friends, right. Are following you on there. Like, yeah, yeah, we get, we know this, like we all agree here. Who are you convincing by posting these things? I feel like maybe I'm missing the point. This is not the point of this, but I feel like people are just using this as an opportunity to posture and like, 
I don't know, show that they're, um, uh, that they care or whatever, but really I'm just like the moments of silence and the thoughts and prayers. I'm over that. I'm over the messaging. I, we need action, right? And there are ways that we can take action. Um, my path, um, uh, GoFundMe has compiled a list of all the families, uh, fundraisers. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would say for what it's worth, um, uh, every town is, is uh, an organization oh, right. that I, I, I really think is great. And, uh, they're the largest, uh, nonprofit for gun reform. Mm-hmm. And I think they're the most likely to make change in yeah. this country. So I would urge anyone, uh, like if you're listening to this, uh, make a donation, sign up, um, or whatever, but I think that, that we need to concentrate on actually like doing something quick. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if it's posturing. I'm sure some of that is, is posturing, but I think it's people just processing to the, I'm sorry for what I said. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have said that, but yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. <laughs> I just, I'm saying, you know, you know, <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have said it. I get get the frustration. I mean, I think it's the same. (laughs) It's the same feeling that a lot of people had with the, um, what was it like the the blackout on social media, um, in response to, uh, George George Floyd, Floyd, um, a few years back. And I understand like the frustration, but I think we all are trying to seek understanding sometimes in times like these, and we pull from all the things that we that we can to try to make some sort of meaning out of this um but yeah i i agree that meaning should come with action yeah that is my you're you got it right on the head my frustration comes from um people who believe that reposting something not even adding their own words but Mm -hmm. just reposting things they see on social media they think that that's enough right action to take to It's like, no, we're, we're all compatriots here. Yeah. Our brothers and sisters, kids are dying. We really need to do more than that. We, we owe it to ourselves as, as a country, right? Like we need to band together and fix this unacceptable issue that we've been uh, reckoning with forever. Yeah. Right? Forever. Yeah. And I think money's the solution, honestly. Like Voting and money. Voting and money. I mean, which is money feeds the voting. So yeah, it's money. Yeah, it's money. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But anyways, um, that's really the news. I mean, there's other stuff that's been happening, I guess, like Simu is going to be a plastic doll. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we didn't transition from that to. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for preparing me for that. But uh, yeah, so that's that's Asians in the news. Let's like let's we got to get back to having some fun here. I'm gonna start crying. Simu Liu. Is it Lou or Liu? Do you do do, do you do the eye? It's time to have some fun. We've got the continuation. Yeah. Taylor's tourney. Let's do it. I said we're, this is going to take place over a few episodes, but I think we can end it. Okay. We can figure this out. This Let's episode. End it. Let's end it. I'm, uh, you know, contrary to popular belief, not all Asians are good at math. 
Mm. Oh, so it's just actually it's it's just going to be two episodes. two episodes. <laughs> I looked at the bracket. I said, I was like, oh, this is over. Yeah, we'd be down to like the finals for next yeah, episode. Yeah. So back to Taylor's tourney. If you guys missed last episode, Taylor's tourney is a segment where I uh, pose to Taylor brackets, tournament brackets in a given category. And over the course of two episodes, we whittle said category down to one ultimate winner. Yes. In that category. This this time it's um, kitchen tools. Mm-hmm. And Taylor's a great cook. He's in the um, food industry for many, many years. And uh, passionate, passionate about food. Speaking of Dutch oven mm-hmm. versus mixing bowls. Dutch oven. Dutch oven is so good. It's really good. It's Dutch oven be, is so good. It's hard to beat. It's a contender, yeah? Mm-hmm. Dutch oven, so good. Next, cutting board. Versus cast iron pan. What is the most essential kitchen tool? This is a good one. Cutting board. Wow. Cast yeah. iron pan is out. Yeah. I don't know what I would do without a cutting board. That's true. But man, that's an, to me, that's an upset. To me, that's yeah. an upset. Chopsticks or cleaver? Chopsticks. You love those chopsticks. Um, chopsticks moving on to face. Either sheet pan or whisk. Mm. I already know who's going to win. I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the tournament. Sheet pan or whisk? Whisk. Whisk. I did not expect whisk to make it this far. Pairing knife versus saucepan. Pairing knife. Oh, I agree. Had no chance. Yeah, the only reason Saucepan got this far was because it was up against Mandolin. Yeah, (laughs) last (laughs) round, Mandolin. I like a Mandolin. Yeah, but uh, niche. Yeah, especially at home. Uh, Moving on, tasting spoon sleeper Mm -hmm. versus stockpot. Oh, tasting tasting spoon. Yes, because it represents so much. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you get tattoos of tasting spoons <laughs> yeah i think it's what separates like good home cooks from bad home cooks yeah. tasting spoon yeah what it represents uh next up slotted spoon mm-hmm. versus chef's knife <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a close it's gonna be close chef's knife ah upset <laughs> i joke i joke um, chef's knife, obviously, yes, an essential kitchen tool. <laughs> uh, next up, side towel versus plastic containers. Side towel. Okay, so we're whittling it down. We're this. This is surprising me a little bit. A few of these. Yeah, wasn't expecting a few of these to get through. So this is awesome. There we go. It's what I was hoping for. There we go. Not too predictable. Dutch oven, heavy hitter, mm-hmm. literally, figuratively. You'd murder someone if you hit them with a Dutch oven. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if you're strong enough to swing yeah. it at someone's head. Versus cutting board. Wow, what Dutch a matchup. Oven. Huh? Dutch oven. Wow, I love it. Dutch oven comes out against cutting board. Next up, chopsticks 
mm-hmm. versus whisk chopsticks. Wow, chopsticks. Um, man, this is okay. Paring knife versus tasting spoon. It's close. This is a good one. Good matchup. Mm, paring knife. I mean, tasting spoon really is just like a hipster uh, bracket winner. <laughs> <laughs> Not as essential as we no, made it sound. Like, maybe I was like, you gotta have a good tasting spoon. It's also of the right concave. <laughs> if you don't have a tasting spoon, <laughs> what are you even around? Doing? What you suck at cooking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's We're kind of being hipsters right. about that one. <laughs> You're right. I'm embarrassed. It's kind of true, though. Yeah. Um, next up, <laughs> this is terrible. Chef's knife versus side towel. <laughs> Ooh. Do I need a towel or a chef's knife? I'll go with chef's knife. Oh, man. <laughs> if you remember last episode, I indicated that there was one item that I thought might uh, go all the way. Mm-hmm. I was pretty sure it would go all the way. And um, still in the fight. Okay, almost done here. Mm -hmm. Almost determined. Dutch oven versus chopsticks. Dutch Dutch oven. oven. Yeah. Dutch oven. Chef's knife versus paring knife. Chef's knife. Here Here we go. Here we go. You know, in my... um. Culinary school exam, like you couldn't use a paring knife. You had to use mm. a chef's knife for everything. Yeah, I get that. So a paring knife is not really essential if you have a chef's knife. Because you, you just have to use your chef's knife wisely. Absolutely. I actually thought about that when I was choosing uh, or <laughs> thinking over whether or not to include the chef's, chef's knife. <laughs> because I know that you know that I know that we both know it's going to be paring knife every time. Oh yeah, for sure. And paring knife is quite useful. It is. It is. Chef's knife wins. Um, but it's still got to get passed in the finals. Yeah. Of Taylor's tourney, ultimate kitchen tool tournament. There we go. Dutch oven <laughs> versus, versus chef's knife. I think you're going to be surprised. Dutch oven. Wow. Yeah. Dutch oven wins. Now yeah. okay, now you gotta explain why. That's what that's what I'm really looking forward to. Because this entire time I've thought about essential as if I only had one thing. Mm. And if I could only cook with one thing, it'd be a Dutch oven. You can still cook. You can still without, cook. You can still cook and Use make your delicious hands. meals with a Dutch oven. And I think I could do it for like a week before I got really fucking sick of not having a knife hey. to cook with. And with a chef's knife, you, can't, you can prep for a good meal. Yeah, you, can pre- you can prep for a good you're, meal. You're eating raw food. You're, you've entered a raw food, food movement. Well, um, we are in California, so fig yes. on a plate is a very popular. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dutch oven. I mean, if I had one cooking vessel, it would definitely just be a Dutch oven. You could do, you can do absolutely anything with it. Magical. Yeah. Magical. Um, And yeah, you can even cook something without having a knife. Possibilities are endless. I am quite happy with Dutch oven winning out because I think now that it's won, 
I see that it's my sentimental favorite. <laughs> I wanted it to win deep down. I used it today. Like I, I cook in it every day. Yeah, no, it's the best. Oh, I make so many things in a Dutch yeah. oven. Sear things. Mm-hmm. Stu- uh, gumbo. Yeah. I made noodles today. Yeah. Oh, so much control, heat-wise. Oh, yeah. It's the best. Everyone should have a Dutch oven. It's like a one-pot one wonder. Yeah, exactly. Very good. I'm happy with that. I'm yeah. very happy with that. Um, Taylor's Tourney winner, ultimate kitchen tool, Dutch oven. Surprise, surprise. I like that. Um, if you're listening to this, you don't have or don't use your Dutch oven. You should be ashamed. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Fuck your life. You played yourself. Yeah. Okay, now we're going to talk about one of my favorite rappers of all time. Kendrick Lamar, who just dropped uh, his new double album, Mr. Morale and Mr. the Big Steppers. Yeah, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Uh, Taylor, we, we've been fans of Kendrick forever. Yeah. Uh, love California rapper. I'd say inarguably the best rapper to come out of this state ever. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No close second, in my opinion. Sorry, Tupac fans. Yeah. Sorry. No, nah, I don't think anyone would put Snoop up <laughs> as a rapper. No. Who's gonna put Who's gonna put any of these guys up against Kendrick? Yeah. Um. What a monumentous release. He just does it every time. Like his his record, he's undefeated. Before we get into the album, what was the name of that single that he dropped? The Heart Part the Five. Heart Part Five. Yeah. So he dropped this single. The heart, he, every um, album cycle, he drops a song in this series of songs called "The Heart." His part five this time he dropped right before the double album dropped, like the week before, and it came uh, paired with this music video. Uh, as the song goes on, they use deep fake technology to morph Kendrick's likeness into the likenesses of several um, influential and controversial black figures in, yeah. in, in pop culture. And as his, as he morphs into these figures, the lyrics pair in an interesting way mm-hmm. with whoever his face morphs into. Yeah. Um, and he morphs into OJ, OJ Simpson, um, Kanye West, when in in the verse he he starts talking about someone being bipolar, mm-hmm. face turns into Kanye's face. Yeah. Um. Who else? Uh. Oh, the guy from Empire. Oh, Justin uh, Smollett. Juicy Smollett. Yeah. Juicy Smollett. <laughs> the French actor. And then um, Kobe Bryant. Kobe. Um, and, and most powerfully, oh yeah, Nipsey Hustle. Nipsey Hustle. Yeah, that was great. So we we won't break the whole thing down. If you guys haven't seen this video, I mean, I, I can't imagine you haven't seen this video. But it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Um, when I saw him turn into Nipsey and stop start speaking for Nipsey from Beyond the Grave. Oh yeah, I, I started shaking, dude. It was crazy. I started shaking. I was, I was, I, I got the shakes. I, I was moved uh, to tears. 
mm-hmm. because Nipsey just uh, symbolizes everything I think hip hop should be. Yeah. Uh, and for Kendrick to do that and for them both to be, you know, from LA and right. the lyrics, uh, it blew my mind already and the album hadn't even come out. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty incredible. Um, yeah, that moment is really powerful. I do wonder if there's some controversial black figures that were like bummed out that they didn't make the cut. Who would you? Oh, Will, we forgot Will Smith. Oh yeah, Will Smith was on there when he when Kendrick right. raps. Kendrick raps when hurt people hurt more people. Yeah, yeah. Will Smith. His face turns into Will Smith. Brilliant, but just the way the way that was done, I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. Yeah, and I think only Kendrick can do that. He's the only one smart enough. He's the only one smart enough. He's also the only one that has the, uh, I don't know, the gravitas to pull it off. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because, he, they, I mean, these people, uh, Jesse Smollett is not looked upon as a, right. you know, um, admirable figure at whatsoever almost. Yeah. Everybody kind of doesn't care for that guy to a certain extent. And, uh, but Kendrick's saying something there. Mm-hmm. about like remember what remember what we're doing here yeah and our unity amongst our community supersedes everything yeah everything even if we hurt each other even if we make mistakes we are victims of this system and and we have to stick together yeah even if we mess up like a will smith so incredible music video you have anything else to say about that video nah <laughs> <laughs> Taylor clearly moved as well. <laughs> Let's get into the album, dude. Um, we haven't spoken about this album yet. No, just emojis. We've just been sending each other emojis. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> A lot of eggplants. <laughs> no, I, I kid, I kid. <laughs> But uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. So, like, the album is punctuated. Maybe that, yeah, maybe that's the right word. Punctuated by these almost, like, Gregorian choir chants. Oh, yeah. Um, setting this motif that Kendrick is being encouraged to open up and be honest for the first time. Mm-hmm. about himself and his life and his experiences. And what ensues is exactly that. He he opens up wide and, and bears all. Mm-hmm. Like he says at the end of the album, he bears his soul. Now he's free. Um, And so the album opens with that. It opens with a track called United in Grief. Oh, man. I mean, United in Grief, I listened to that today. And man, it just hit different after the week's events. Mm. Because just like yeah. the refrain of I grieve different and he comes back to it over and over again. And I remember feeling that throughout the entire week of just like watching everybody process these things and feeling like I'm I just can't process it. And I don't know, there's something comforting about that track today of just like, yeah, I can't like I can't explain how this grief is uh manifesting, but I know it's there. I know it's it's happening. It kind of goes into what 
I mean, I feel like this is the most universal Kendrick album I've that he's released. Yeah, yeah, most personal too. Yeah, especially as fathers and people that have lived a life, I think he's starting to mature and touch on really complex things that only he can. I mean, he's always touched on complex things in ways that only he can. But yeah, just incredible, brilliant. I mean, and and then in ninety five, he likens. Um, now that the world's opening back up, we're taking off our N95 masks. You know, he likens that to shedding a lot of our masks that we wear mm-hmm. in our lives. Take off the fufu, mm-hmm. take off the cloud chase, take off the Wi-Fi. And he goes on and he says, you're ugly as fuck. <laughs> you out of pocket. <laughs> um, I see. So that line in particular, where he says, "You know, take off all this stuff, all these facades. Mm. You're ugly as fuck." I don't think I saw a lot of people reacting to this. That mm-hmm. line in particular, they don't understand that he's in character, right? He's he's not saying that. Yeah, he's saying it as a character. He's, there's satire right. involved, and that's that's one of the more frustrating things that I've found about this album is actually hearing a lot of hip hop heads. Mm have this whole album and the message go over their hip hop head. Hmm. <laughs> they don't get it, dude. They, they, it's, they don't get it. Cause they, no one makes hip hop like this. Yeah, man. So they're looking for bangers. Right. Yeah. And I saw this dude react to the, this line and he's like, Oh, I don't like that. He said that I'm ugly as fuck. It's like, no, he, <laughs> no, that's not what he's saying. Father time. That's a, that's a crazy track too with Samfa, the mm. uh, the black uh, bony bear. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was the that's the daddy issues. Yes. Oh yeah, that's I got daddy issues. So on on Father Time, Kendrick is breaking down, kind of um, deconstructing why you know basically toxic masculinity and why right. men in the black community and not just the black community but um men who grew up with these hard ass fathers grow yeah. up to be hard asses themselves mm-hmm. um kind of closed off emotionally um unforgiving un- uh, uncompassionate uncompa- uh, they lack sensitivity towards other people's problems right can't even take care of themselves emotionally yeah um and he goes into a lot of his experiences with his own dad in a beautiful way um and explains that he recognizes where his shortcomings as a man come from right and he also recognizes the virtues of his father as well he's being fair here Mm mm-hmm Right, like he, he is not painting his father out to be a monster. He's painting the the culture. He talks about the culture a lot in yeah. this album. The culture is the monster, monster, and we're all victims of it. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think what Kendrick is able to do that I don't think anybody is able to do at this point. Um, any artist is able to do as quite as well as him is to take on these really big themes in a way that's not completely cheesy. Like yeah. if you said like, um, this track's going to be about toxic masculinity. I'd be like, Oh, uh, that's roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, he's just able to humanize these really complex themes and make them feel completely relatable in a way that takes you into his world that I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if anybody's able to do that now. Well, that's the thing. I think, um, actually that very thing is inherent to hip hop because hip hop is so, um, straightforward yeah. and plain spoken compared mm-hmm. to other genres and current. Yeah. Right. It's talking about real, it's like a documentary, right? They're talking, they're commenting, even when it's right. a narrative, he's commenting on real life things. I think that's a strength, a virtue inherent to hip hop. But the thing is, Kendrick is the first man mm-hmm. brave enough to actually harness the power of the genre and say something real yeah. and vulnerable. Yeah. Everyone, Jay-Z could do this if he wanted, right? right? Like really talk about this stuff, really. Mm-hmm. But they're stopped. All these rappers, have, what's stopping them is this culture quote unquote, this culture of macho and um, uh, materialism and whatever, you know, whatever they use to hide. I mean, Kendrick quite literally on this album talks about rappers being sexually abused as children and hiding that pain with, with rollies and cars and women. Fucking nuts. Like the themes he touches on, like he just goes, he goes in, he really says it. Yeah. He goes all in. It's absolutely it's the most vulnerable album I've heard in a really long time. Like, Oh yeah. I don't know. He's put himself in a compromising position. Yeah. But with that, in a lot of ways, like greatness, like we haven't even scratched the surface of the stuff he talks about. I know. I know. I mean, yeah. Um, the, the next song I want to kind of highlight is a song called we cry together with Taylor page, which is essentially, um, a skit or or in a way it's a skit. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a dialogue in a way, um, played out by Kendrick and Taylor of, of a couple embroiled in an argument Mm -hmm. that gets pretty heated Mm -hmm. and verbally violent and abusive. And the way this thing is put together is just, overwhelming yeah like to listen to this thing this skit between them this song i don't even want to call it a song it's it's more than a song right yeah it's It's like a play a performance yeah 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 it's a performance but it's saying something very real Uh, i think it touches on how the because it's a very intimate sounding song with Mm -hmm. this couple arguing and and really saying hateful things towards each other but it highlights the um claustrophobia of what we went through through the pandemic mm-hmm. people who are in relationships mm-hmm. and how um that uh pressure cooker can get to you mm-hmm. when you're in a relationship and and it also even uh on a deeper level touches on men and women and what uh society kind of does to us when they force us into these roles these gender roles mm-hmm. and how we cope with that together how we abuse each other sometimes to deal with these societal pressures. Yeah. I think that was the first track that just made me kind of stop in my tracks. Like, cause I was, I was listening to it. Um, I think a little distracted doing stuff around the house. And then I heard that and I just like 
stopped. I'm just <laughs> like, what is this? Can't just have that on the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, we're gonna say this over and over again, but he's just operating at a different level than everybody else. His creativity, yeah, his imagination, yeah, um, and it's all. I w- I think this album is more cohesive than people actually give it credit for. I don't understand how people don't think it's cohesive. I think it's that's the criticism I just completely don't understand. I feel like this might be his most cohesive album in some ways. Like, yeah, it's incredible. He's, I mean, the core concept here, yeah, is that he's talking about the real issues plaguing the hip hop community, the black community. Mm-hmm. That no one's tackled yet. Yeah. No one's had the balls to talk about right. in a real honest way that perhaps makes him look bad mm-hmm. depending on who you are. He's not afraid. Yeah. From the beginning of the album, um, the the woman is telling mm-hmm. him, Tell them tell them the truth. Right. And he does. Yeah. Um, we cry together. What a I I dare anyone to listen to that track and not be blown away. Yeah. Just absolutely blown away. What a Don't listen to it with your kids around. (laughs) Not safe for work. (laughs) NSFW. NSFW. Um, Another one for me that, ooh, this is maybe the the doozy of all doozies on this album. Auntie Diaries. Mm, yeah. Um, where Kendrick, this is not a narrative track. Mm-hmm. He's talking about real life, talking about his uncle who mm-hmm. is trans. Yeah. He frames it uh, th- th- in this way where he says, my, my auntie's a man now. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the premise. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about since, since he was a kid, um, his uncle was, had, identified as a man and the uh, kind of the trauma that came from that um, and how, how it, how that reverberated throughout his family and his neighbor, his community. Yeah. And how he dealt with it. Um, and it's controversial because he's doing a few things that are no, no's in the trans community mm-hmm. with this track. He's, I mean, ultimately, if you haven't heard the track, he's fully in support mm-hmm. of his uncle here. Yeah. Uh, of his trans uncle. He, he, he loves his uncle. Mm-hmm. But the way in which he's referring to his uncle, big no-no. Mm-hmm. Dead naming his mm-hmm. uncle. My auntie's a man now. You do, you know, right? Like, that's like the wrong way of thinking about it. Right. Um, but I think the reason he does this is because he's talking to other people who lived in the same ignorance that he lived in. Yeah. Right. Like, like he, this song is meant for people who have not, who are not familiar with the trans community or the trans experience, don't know trans people. Right. Still refer to trans people experiences in these terms, which are wrong. Yeah. The wrong way to refer, but that's all they know. Mm-hmm. So he's bringing them through, right? Like mm-hmm. he's pulling them through to 
saved them from their ignorance mm-hmm. by explaining his story from the time he was a child, right? Yeah. So yet he is talking, it's like um, from Good Kid, Mad City, Backseat Freestyle. Mm-hmm. He's singing about dumb shit in that song mm-hmm. because in the song, he's singing as 16-year-old Kendrick right. in the backseat of his friend's car. Mm-hmm. He's not just sing. It's not just a stupid rap song about his dick being as big as the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. He's painting a picture of where his mind at when he was sixteen. Yeah. So in this song, he's doing um, not the same thing, but he's referencing his um, former state of mind when he was a kid. Yeah, and he and he outs his ignorance. Like it's very plain that he's he's looking back at himself. Part of that was part of the culture he was he was in the family he was in but i think people are looking at it too literally and they're not looking at the art behind the stuff that he's doing yeah well i i understand why you would though like like at, at first listen look because he's it's it's a very plain spoken track like he's not speaking in metaphors here yeah he's te- he's telling you what happened mm-hmm. right <laughs> like with 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 his uncle and um like for example, he uses the F word Mm -hmm. and he actually talks about his usage of the F word when he was young Mm -hmm. and he explains in a, by recounting his experience with his uncle that he's a hypocrite Mm -hmm. to use the F word Mm -hmm. referring to this viral footage of him getting on a white fan's case for using the N word. Right. While rapping on stage, he he brought a, a young white woman up on stage to rap with him at a show famously, infamously, and um, she said the N-word because it's the lyrics of the song, mm-hmm. and he chastised her for it, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And in this song, he says, if I'm going to chastise this girl mm-hmm. for saying the N-word, then I can't say the F-word. Right. Same thing. I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. So... The controversy, part of the controversy is that he says the F word in the song. Right. But he has to say the F word in the song to make that point. Breathtaking when he does that, too. That was another one that stopped me in my tracks, too. Mm. I was just like, fuck. Mm. <laughs> Give me chills right now. <laughs> yeah. I can feel it right now. No. Um, yeah. Uh, showstopper, that one. But then he moves into Mother I Sober. Oh yeah. Oh, that is talk about talk about. um, Well, it's not a one-two punch because there's a song in between there that's also great called Mister Morale. Mm -hmm. It's a great that's a great track. But um, the the penultimate song, Mother I Sober. um, Kendrick is rapping in this really intimate, Mm -hmm. low tone, um, and it's kind of amazing what he can do with the tone of his voice. Yeah. Something unique to him, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Sometimes he sounds like he's whispering in your ear. Mm-hmm. But then the the next moment he'll he's he'll be screaming something sound like he's in the Grand Canyon. Mhm. The production. I mean, and I thought about this throughout that and not only because of his ability to just use language, but um even in his vocal delivery, it reminds me a lot of Dylan of just like his ability to change a phrase just by the way he's delivering it mm. and the uh, control of his voice and how he uses that 
his voice to um to his you know to serve the song right and to i mean i've heard dylan tracks where it's the same track he just delivers it different and the whole Mm. meaning of the song changes just because of the way he decided to deliver the lyrics that time yeah kendrick often referred to as the bob dylan of of rap many should be yeah Yeah. makes sense to me yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah uh he uh, on this track um mother i sober he uh gosh he's just talking to you yeah he's telling you about his life he's pouring it all out there talking about bad shit he's done uh so i yeah it's Similarly to everything, everywhere, all at once, we are struggling to dive into the the depths of this thing, this mm-hmm. double album, because it's there's so much more to talk about. Um, we can't talk. We can't talk about all the intricacies because I'm still processing. Yeah, this album. I don't. Did you after your first listen? Did did you feel like you had absorbed it uh, in a way that you like? Oh, I get this album. Uh, no, cause the first listen, I'm usually just like, I usually don't try to, um, mm, you just kind of let it wash over you. Yeah. I let it wash over me. It was like the second or third listen that I was like, okay, I get it. Like, what um, did he say? Yeah. What was that? What did he just say? Um, and then I put it down for like a week. Um, and I just picked it back up today in preparation for this and even just from the current events, the meanings of some of these songs change for me. Um, right, right. And it's, it's incredible. This is Kendrick's, Kendrick's greatest album, greatest work. Oh yeah, for sure. To me. Yeah, me too. Um, and that's not like a small statement because every, I love Kendrick. (laughs) Like every, like every album before this has been, I've been like, wow, this is one of the most amazing albums I've ever listened to. I could not envision anything being better than to pimp a butterfly. Me neither. This is better. Yeah. I have always, you know, been a fan of hip hop. I Mm. love hip hop. Uh, I've listened to it like pretty much, you know, since I can remember. Yeah. Grew up on hip hop and R and B, but I've never fully, kind of embraced it because I'm embarrassed a lot of the time. Mm. So misogynistic. Yeah. Blatantly homophobic. Right. Uh, Talk about toxic masculinity. I mean, the toxicity basically comes from hip hop. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you talk about pop culture, it's everything, all this language was so normalized for so, so long still is to a certain extent Mm -hmm. to, to a great extent still, you know, we've got a long, long way to go because Rappers, the whole the whole mantra here, the whole game, is who's the coolest, who's the manliest, who's the richest. Mm-hmm. Dick measuring contest. Mm-hmm. Even even with female rappers, it's a dick measuring contest. Mm-hmm. That's the premise of rap, for the most part. It, it at least in the mainstream on the mainstream level, there are a lot of honest rappers out there and make good work. You know, I they come to mind, you know, like Quelle Chris is out there doing good stuff. Nas in his early work. Right. Um, but what Kendrick has done here is he's tearing all of that down. The stuff that I'm embarrassed of mm-hmm. when it comes to hip hop, the stuff that I can't get behind the um, misogyny, 
the homophobia, he's reckoning with all these issues. And he's with a scalpel tearing these tearing these um walls down. And he could pay for this. Right? Like the hip hop community could um I don't know. I don't know what could happen to Kendrick after saying all these things. Talking about how every other rapper is sexually abused and they're hiding it with their wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about how he supports his trans uncle, mm-hmm. loves his trans uncle and his um, queer cousin. We forgot to mention that. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentions his queer cousin a few times uh, over the course of the album and talks about how he was close with his queer cousin and his family kept asking if his cousin ever touched him. Mm. Did he touch you, Kendrick? Mm -hmm. Kendrick said, no, he didn't, but his family didn't believe him. Mm -hmm. So his family wouldn't accept his gay cousin. Um, These are not things that rappers talk about. Not even close. They avoid these subjects like the plague. Yeah. Kendrick did until now, right? Mm. Now he's being really honest and I, I just applaud him. I'm so uh, bowled over by what he's done here. Yeah. This is, this is like, we talk about, you know, Taylor and I, we talk about how like rock and rock is dead mm-hmm. as a genre. It's like not edgy anymore. This is rock and roll, right? Mm-hmm. He's pushing the boundaries. He's yeah. reckless. He's, he doesn't care. You know, I don't care what people think of me. Yeah. I'm going to say it. Favorite rapper. Kendrick Lamar. And I think he's going to be fine. I mean, brilliance is always, I think he's going to be fine. Um, I think he's going to inspire a lot of really shitty rap with this album, honestly, in some ways, because I don't think anybody has the skill to the intellect or the intellect to touch these. I mean, and I'm not just talking about the intellect and skill and, in rap, but just in general, I'm not sure how he's doing what he's doing. Um, mm. It's, I mean, it's not, I mean, to your point, it's not that dissimilar from everything everywhere all at once where you consume it and you're like, Jesus fucking human being made this thing. Like, mm. how is that possible? Um, and it's possible. Like, you know, these people don't come around that often. Um, right generational talent yeah Yeah. we're losing them right because a lot of them came out um you know in the 60s and the 70s when things were so new um and pop culture was so new um but he's paving the way for a whole new generation i think yeah yeah it he's uh one in a million and What's really cool that I found even the album's only been out for a little while now is that he's touched on some of these personal issues lightly before, mm-hmm. or at least alluded to them. And now listening to some of the stuff that's happened here, like uh, he talks about his mom being physically abused and um, him being there to mm-hmm. see it, but he didn't do anything. He said, I should have grabbed a gun, but I was only five years old mm-hmm. and how that scarred him. He couldn't even look at her in the face. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's talking about this childhood trauma, but he's mentioned st- this stuff before, just not as directly. 
Mm. Like um, I forget, I think it was on the song uh, Hole Up and on um, Section 80. He said, I lived my 20s at two years old, the wiser man. Truth be told, I'm like 87. Wicked as 80 reverends in a pool of fire with devils holding hands. From a distance, don't know which one is a Christian. Damn. <laughs> like he's talking about that. Like yeah. he's talking about those childhood. I lived my 20s at two years old. Yeah. What he's saying is that he had to grow up quick right. because all this crazy shit was happening around him. His friends were dying mm-hmm. when he was a kid. But now he's talking about in specificity and it's it's just, it's harrowing. It's really scary stuff. Yeah. Not comfortable to listen to. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's a... It's a lot. I mean, that's why I had to put it down for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not easy listening, but it's amazing. And we got to mention musically, too, this is his best album. You know, beside the subject matter, musically, it's brilliant. Like on the, the song with um, Taylor Page, We Cry Together, mm-hmm. where they're fight, the couple's fighting. Listen to the piano, like the music in the background. Mm-hmm. It's this really dissonant uh, melody. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you feel tense. It's the tension. It's right. representing the tension in the relationship. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. We could go on and on. <laughs> I'd probably be uh, happy to do that, but it's an hour long show, Tops. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Taylor to Taylor edits the show. No, I'm trying to, to be nice lot, here. To cut a lot, a lot out. Yeah, this is going to be a doozy <laughs> editing wise. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, but I'm so glad we have like this show to talk about yeah. stuff like that, like to talk about this. I know you, anything w- we want, <laughs> whether we had the show or not, we were going to talk about this definitely. Yeah, but not like this. We, you know, we really have a that platform here. That is true to get into it. <gasps> we didn't mention Kodak Black, mm. who appears on the album a couple of times. That's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I don't know. That's maybe the one thing I would say about this album that I don't think needs to be there. Yeah. Kodak Black, um, accused of sexual assault. <laughs> uh, we all pretty much think he did it. Mm-hmm. I think he might be convicted. I'm not sure. But um, not cool with me. Yeah. To platform a guy like that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just can't. I can't reconcile that one. But other than that, I think it's a brilliant piece of work. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh thank you guys for joining us this you need to listen to this album i know there are probably going to be people on here who aren't fans of hip-hop don't listen to rap uh you need to listen to this definitely listen to this album you will appreciate it i guarantee you yeah if you just go into it with your mind kind of open mm-hmm. and your heart open and you're prepared for something that'll probably be disquieting to say the least it's going to challenge you it will absolutely challenge you and it's long as shit but it's a double album so maybe break it up into two but please listen yeah please listen because he's changing the culture with this one yeah for sure i'm bernard and i'm taylor and we are your asian best friends (laughs) 